From WDBM East Lansing, this is The Undercurrent, a bi-weekly news feature show produced by students at Michigan State University, showcasing our own student stories. Let's dive in. Hello and welcome to The Undercurrent. You are listening to Season 14, Episode 6, and I'm your host, Claire Baccarella. Today on The Undercurrent, we will be welcoming a very special guest, a 2011 Michigan State University graduate with a degree in communications. He has taken the internet by storm. Named in Forbes 2017 30 Under 30 list, he began his successful YouTube career right here at Michigan State. You can find him now streaming on Twitch and co-hosting his podcast, Psychobabble. Please join me in welcoming Tyler Oakley. Hey, Tyler, thanks for joining us today. How are you doing? I am doing wonderfully. How are you doing? I'm good. Thanks so much for being here. Of course. Thank you for having me. So first of all, can you just tell us a bit about your career and what you're up to, what you're doing now? Sure. Uh, So these days I am a full-time Twitch streamer. Um, I have been a content creator since my freshman year at MSU. I started in the dorms when I was uh, 18, and it has been a full-time career ever since. Um, It started off just as a, a hobby and a way to keep in touch with friends, but over time it turned into something much bigger than that and expanded out of just YouTube into writing into podcasting into streaming and um it is every year has been a surprise and so like finding twitch uh during the pandemic was the best most recent surprise and um something that i never really expected i would fall in love with and now i'm i love it so much i do it most days well awesome so can you talk a little bit about what made you choose to go to michigan state Sure. Uh, so I grew up in Michigan. I um, I was born in Jackson and I went to high school in Okemos and um, I had siblings that had gone to Michigan State and uh, growing up in Okemos, it was like, uh, it, I, and as somebody who was paying for their own college, it was like, okay, well, I know I'm going to stay in the state. I know if I'm going and pursuing higher education, it's probably going to be smartest economically um and at the time when i was graduating from high school i was thinking i wanted to be a teacher and so i had a couple of options from there but i knew michigan state was wonderful for its teaching program and if that was something that i wanted to pursue it felt like a good fit and uh so when i got accepted it just kind of felt like a no-brainer like i grew up on hagedorn so like it was right literally down the street and um it felt close enough to where i could go back and visit and um far enough to where i felt like i could find my own little carving out into the universe a safe amount of you know distance from home yeah so like you said you started your youtube career right here at msu in your dorm room so can you kind of talk about like why you decided to start your channel and what that looked like for you and also when you when did you realize it could become a full-time career for you uh so i was living in 419 east wilson and i had just moved in i had just gotten a macbook it was my first macbook it was my first laptop and so like i felt like i had the world at my fingertips and um as somebody who's like 
I would say a little bit more socially reserved, despite I think what I think people might assume about me from my like presentation online. Um, I've always been kind of like fascinated by internet culture and internet community. And I remember during my freshman year finding YouTube in a way that I had never really knew YouTube could be used. It was like I was stumbling upon people on YouTube who were just talking about their lives. And before that, I had always thought YouTube was like for skits or for like your school projects or like, I don't know what it could be. But when I found people with hundreds of videos just talking about what they thought and what they believed in and telling stories from their lives, I was like, oh, my God, this is like addicting it is like I am discovering a new best friend and I couldn't get enough and when I realized that the person that I was watching was just talking into the camera in their computer I was like oh my god wait no I have the computer for this I could do this um and that was it from then on it was something that like I couldn't stop thinking about what was the next video I wanted to make or what was the next fun little you know, creation I wanted to put on the internet. So I'm just wondering, like, what is your favorite place on campus and then in East Lansing? Ooh, oh my gosh. Um, Favorite place on campus. I have a special place in my heart for the stadium. I was a telemarketer my freshman year. So like I worked right there. I um, lived in South. And so as an RA in South, I was in charge of a lot of the tailgating experience and facilitating that. But then at the same time as a student, it was like I, it was a a big part of the community I formed in the dorms was all of me and my, you know, friends on the floor going to the games and we had like, you know, the season pass or whatever. And so that has a special place uh, for me. And um, years later, going back and going to games with my little sister while she was a student, that was really special. And then of course, like, coming back and feeling that full circle moment of uh, I was able to be homecoming um, grand marshal. And so like going out on the field and seeing the entire stadium, I remember the first time I really was able to grasp a number about how many people were watching my YouTube was when I looked up how many people could fit in that stadium. And knowing I had more subscribers or I was like able to get more viewers on a a video than could fit in that stadium. It was the first time I was able to visualize, oh, this is like turning into something that I can tangibly understand is huge. Um, So yeah, there's a lot of reasons it's, you know, special, but um, it's kind of been there as a landmark for me since then. Yeah. And what about your favorite place in East Lansing? Ooh, um, oh, What's the place uh, on Thursday afternoons? The Riv Burgerama. I loved Burgerama. I loved it so much. And um, when I was back that week for homecoming, when I was like the homecoming grand marshal, I was like, we have to go to Burgerama. I want to buy everybody that's there a pitcher of beer. And I felt so stupid. I was like, I went up to the um, the DJ. I was like, can I talk into your microphone for a minute? I just want to make an announcement. I'm buying everyone a beer. Um <laughs> It felt like a a cute little uh, return to home um, because that was so, I don't know, it was such like the spot for me and my friends uh, my senior year and and, yeah, to be able to go back and 
say hey was special. So what was your favorite and your least favorite thing about being a student at MSU? I was not a good student. Like, uh, <laughs> I, 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 learning is wonderful. Testing and homework, all of that, it just has never clicked with me. Um, so that was probably the worst part. Uh, I lived semester to semester trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life and how I was going to pay for school and how I was going to pay for my loans and all of it was always like very stressful. So if you are in that current position, I completely feel you. I was there. I understand it. It is, um, it's a, it's a scary experience, especially when you're young to feel like, oh my gosh, how am I going to make this work? Um, so yeah, that was probably the least favorite. My favorite part, I mean, discovering my voice in a way. Um, it felt like a place where I was able to experience so much life. And as a content creator, it's wonderful to have the inspiration to create, but without living life, what do you have to bring to the table? What do you have to talk about? What do you have to um, to spark conversation? And Michigan State was a incredible spot for me to live because I felt like every week I had something that I wanted to run back to my YouTube channel to talk about because there was so much going on and there was so much that I could explore. And um, yeah, without that setting, I don't know if YouTube would have been able to take off in the way that it did because it gave me something to believe and something to think and something to talk about and discuss. Did you have a favorite professor at MSU or one that made the biggest impact on you that you can remember? You know, I graduated with a degree in communication. And so a lot of my classes were with Stephen Kelly. I don't know if they're still there. I don't know if you even know who I'm talking about. Oh, my God. OK, so they were like a married couple uh, who would teach classes about relationships and I remember so distinctly I took one of their classes with my boyfriend at the time and on the very first day and it was about like interpersonal communication and relationships and um they were like who here is taking this class with their significant other and people raised their hands and then they gave a statistic of how many of them would still be together at the end of the class and uh and they were right there were many breakups and I was one of them um but they were professors that I had throughout uh, you know my entire time at MSU and um it, it I mean I'm sure you would you relate and I'm sure a lot of people listening would relate is that like you really get to know these professors and you keep coming back to them and um they start to understand who you are and your voice and um yeah without people like them I definitely wouldn't have had the interest that I had in interpersonal communication and I probably wouldn't have majored in it. Yeah, that's funny. I looked it up and it looks like they are both still here. <laughs> oh my gosh. I have not Stephen had Kelly, them for class if, yet. If you, I know you don't remember me, but hello. <laughs> um. So were you involved in any student clubs or organizations on campus as a student? I was. So I was in... Um, the like university activities board i 
was an RA for the majority of my time there in Wilson Hall. I lived in East Wilson and I was an RA there since I got hired in. I, my freshman year, I applied and somebody ended up leaving. And so they brought me in at the end of my freshman year. And so there I was like way too young and fresh to be even trying to write anybody up or enforce any rules. But um, from then on out, I was an RA all my time there. I was a camp counselor in the summers in the dorms. Um, what else? I mean, that took up all of my time. So were you a cool RA or like a strict RA? Of course. <laughs> I was the best RA. I I I mean for me it was like I just want everyone to feel welcome. I want everyone to feel safe in their hall and I want everyone to know that they can come talk to me about anything. And so like if those things were accomplished, I was doing my job. It was not my job to like make people's lives hell. I think people have this perception that RAs are out to get them, but it's like they just want you to have a safe good time and them to survive the job like that was my goal so can you talk about what skills have you taken with you from your time here studying communications that maybe have helped you to be successful in your career it is so interwoven with every day being a content creator everything i learned with you know my pr classes or my marketing classes or my communication classes my interpersonal communication classes all of that is used every single day uh, in in how I communicate who I am or my quote unquote brand or like I'm sure everyone now, now that social media is so widespread and everyone has their own idea of what their brand is on the internet, all of those things are so usable to communicate who you are in whatever field you study or whatever field you're pursuing. Um, but as somebody who is trying to like communicate effectively through media, it is a part of every stream, every video, every podcast. Um, it would be, it would be, I would be nowhere without all of what I learned. So you talked about how you came back to be the Grand Marshal in 2017 for homecoming. So what was it like to come back in such a different form like than you were here? It was wild. It was uh, a full week of pinch me moments because I went and visited, you know, the telemarketing um, office. I went and visited uh my dorm room i spoke in wells hall i was a part of the homecoming parade i was able to be part of the game and came out on the field it felt like a, a full circle moment and it felt like um something that i kind of felt a little awkward during my time at msu when i was first starting like i felt i don't know it felt like it was a weird thing to be doing like it wasn't necessarily anybody's job yet there was no way to make money from it yet while I was at uh, MSU it was just a hobby there was no financial gain that you could have and so a lot of people I felt a little I don't know weird for doing it um and then to be able to be invited to come back and feel celebrated for that uh was really wonderful it felt um like I was being seen um, in a way that in the past had stopped me from getting um, opportunities. 
now it was the reason I was getting opportunities. Um, and that felt really special. Absolutely. So you were actually turned down from what was once your dream job at Google, right? Um, But you built your own media empire on your own. So like, what did you learn from that experience? That's so interesting because you hear stories of people who have built these successful careers who were once turned down. And I find that so interesting. So can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I mean, if you are nearing graduation, you know, like time is looming and you need to figure out what you're doing next. Everyone starts asking, oh, what are you doing? Or did you get any offers? Or blah, blah, blah. In my head, I had always wanted to work for Google. I knew so many people that had graduated the year before and had a job there. And so like, I felt like I had a lot of access to the knowledge needed for that job. And so I felt really prepared. I went through the interview process. I had months of interviews and all these, you know, meetings and blah, blah, blah. And it felt like, okay, I I kind of know the direction I'm going. And so the moment where I got the no for that job, it was heartbreaking and I was lost and I was like oh my god I'm graduating with no game plan like I don't have a job lined up it was terrifying and if there's anybody out there that's in a similar position I I know how you're feeling right now and um it was really scary but then I started to see that it was also like such an opportunity to do whatever I want and to go wherever I wanted and to have nothing holding me in any location. And I started to feel like, okay, if I could do what I wanted to do anywhere, if I could dream as big as I want, where would I be? And it's, it really allowed me to have, a, um, I guess, an open mind of what possibilities might be out there outside of Michigan and outside of communication or outside of whatever I was currently thinking I might do. Um, So while it was like, obviously devastating, it wasn't the end of the world because I didn't allow it to be the end of the world. I thought, okay, well, I'm going to just have to figure this out somewhere. And I thought, well, if I'm going to be unemployed, I should be unemployed somewhere with sunny weather and other gay people. And so I moved to San Francisco and I applied for literally every job on Craigslist and I found an internship and started to, you know, make some money and enough to maybe pay for rent. And it was like, I'm going to figure this out no matter what. I just have to understand that like, it's going to be a little stressful and I'm going to have to figure out my debt and my loans. And, um, but with the mindset of like, I figured out college. I'm going to figure this out too. Um, It it worked out. So you have been able to do so many cool things throughout your career. What are some of the biggest opportunities or the best opportunities that you've been granted? Oh my goodness. I feel so beyond blessed for like the doors that have been opened through YouTube and through the internet and through being authentically me, it has felt like just pinch me after pinch me. Um, I was able to write a book and it was a New York Times bestseller. I was able to compete on Amazing Race twice and I 
was able to, I won Fear Factor. That was pretty cool. I um, went on a world tour. Uh, I headlined my own world tour, 30 stops. And um, that was bonkers. Um, what else? I was able to go to the White House a few times and have meetings with the president and the vice president and the first lady and make videos with them and um able to create a show with Ellen where uh I would make collaborations with celebrities and uh got to make videos with like Celine Dion and uh, Lady Gaga and One Direction and members of Glee and um I was able to walk red carpets and interview celebrities on red carpets and um yeah I feel like it's been a very fun adventure like I every year is full of surprises that I never would have expected the year before and so I very much feel like I'm still in that which is wild so kind of in the same vein what would you say is your biggest or greatest achievement throughout your career Oh my gosh. <laughs> Biggest or greatest achievement in my career. Um, being able to take care of myself. Finding a way to be authentically me and true to who I am and what I stand for and provide myself with the necessities of life. Like that is that is the dream. Um, and, uh, I, I am grateful that that is my experience literally every day. I, I think about how grateful I am that I get to be authentic to myself and provide for myself. That is like, that is it. Yeah. So kind of on being authentic, you haven't been shy to use your platform for good to express your opinions and drive social change. So can you talk about the importance of being authentic, even though you know that you're going to face backlash or being able to tune those things out and just, just be authentically you? Yeah. I mean, as a person that grew up on the internet, you have um, probably seen it all said about somebody. And so uh you know just how vicious strangers and anonymous people can be. And for a lot of us, um, we've participated in that in our own ways without even realizing it, whether it's, you know, laughing along at whoever is the, the joke of the day. But once you start to realize and see the humanity in everyone, um, even the people that are the joke of the day on the internet, you start to think, oh my gosh, like that could be me. There's a book that, uh, that I read that really changed my life. It's called So You've Been Publicly Shamed. And it's about um, how internet shaming, cancel culture, all of those things can impact anyone at any moment. And it's a, it goes into a whole bunch of case studies about all these people that went viral for good or bad reasons and what that did to them. And I think when you start to realize your um, your part in that, uh, it makes you approach everything a little bit differently and with a little bit more empathy towards strangers on the internet and with a little bit more, um, I don't know, uh, grace for yourself 
when you mess up and grace for others when they mess up. And so if I want to be outspokenly me, I need to allow my mistakes in the same way I, I allow others to make mistakes. And um, all of that is like a, a growing process. Like uh, I think it's something that you kind of have to live through those traumatic online experiences to come out on the other side um, more sure of yourself for what you believe in, but also like with more warmth in your heart for yourself and for others. Um, and at this point, I have been on the internet now. I'm 34. So what is that? 16 years? Oh, my God. <laughs> I've been on the internet as a like a content creator 16 years. I have read everything anybody could ever say about me. And so at this point, there's not much that can really throw me off that somebody might throw at me. And um which makes it a little bit easier to speak my mind when I believe anything and to to stand firm in what I believe. And I really do think that there are nefarious forces that are evil and bad energy putting out at the highest volume what they believe in the world. So it's just as important for me to stand and speak what I believe to offset that or to be somebody that might be an example of how how you can act on the internet in kindness um loudly and proudly and good energy and good vibes with inclusivity in mind and um i think it's just it's it is important to be just as loud as the people who you might avoid on the internet Absolutely. Um, can you offer our listeners any advice on building a successful career in the media or any tips that you may have? You just have to start. I think my number one piece of advice for anybody who is craving the experience of having a platform or speaking their mind or sharing what they believe or their art or anything like that is that you just have to start and finding your voice is a process you do not come out of the womb fully ready to speak your mind you have to find the nuance of how you communicate and find the nuance of how you communicate how you feel and part of that is learning how you edit or learning how you create or learning how you fine-tune your message and whatever it is uh, that you want to do, whether it's like podcast or YouTube videos or Twitch streams or writing or all of those things take practice. And your first version of like your first video or your first podcast or your first draft of a book is never going to be uh, what you want it to be, but you learn how to be better by making. And so like, if you make your first video and you hate it, welcome. That's the process. You're going to learn from making that first video and your second video is going to be a little bit better. You're still going to hate it, but then your third video is going to get a little bit better. Even to this day, I am streaming five times a week and I have notes that I take every single stream of things that I need to change or things that I need to improve. And every stream gets like a tiny, tiny smidgy, little tiny smidgen, little bit better. But if I were to compare where I was 
you know, two years ago to where I am today, I would be so blown away by the difference of quality. But that's because of those tiny little incremental changes that I wouldn't have accomplished if I hadn't really put in that work. So whatever it is that you want to do as a brand or be as a creator, you just have to get in there and be bad at it to start getting better at it. How has becoming famous impacted you as a person? Oh my gosh, it's so weird. I don't, uh, it's, and there are people that will be listening that it's like, he's not famous, but and it, fame is so subjective. There are people that are famous for things that you've never even heard of. There are people that are famous for things that I don't even respect, but fame is a real thing and attention is a currency and people pay it to people that they care about. And um, the attention is like a little bit daunting sometimes because you don't want to do the wrong thing and you don't want to use it frivolously. And um, I feel like over time, something that I'm really proud of is that I've found a good balance for myself of, I want to have the stupidest, silliest time, but I also want to do good. And finding that balance makes me feel like I have a good relationship to the attention that I have on my stuff because I find satisfaction in it. But then I also feel like it's doing a positive impact on the community that I'm a part of. So um, it's, it's, it can be daunting, but I think if you're like, if you're true to yourself and you believe in what you're creating, um, the people that are going to enjoy that, the people that are going to support you will find you. Um, and yeah, I think the, the, the fame aspect of it is, is weird and I'll never feel like normal about any type of attention from strangers but um it's opened a lot of really incredible opportunities up to me it's it's introduced me to people around the world that I never would have had an opportunity to connect with um it's helped me meet friends and uh creators and um people that inspire me um so yeah it can be daunting but it is incredible in so many ways. And I definitely don't take it lightly because I mean, think of when you were younger on the internet and you watched people or absorbed who they were just from like observing them on the internet. I know that there are people that are absorbing my behavior because of the time they spend watching me. And so I'm really mindful of like what I try to be and what I try to put out there. And, um, who I aspire to look back at of myself to remember like, okay, how did I spend my time and was it for good? And I think so far I'm, I feel pretty good about it. And that's a good feeling within itself. So just a couple of questions left for you, but in your most recent uploaded YouTube video, you said you got to a point where you didn't enjoy the process of making YouTube videos anymore, which is when you kind of switched over to Twitch. So can you talk about that process and what it was like to adapt to something new? And like you said, you kind of went through a grief stage, you know, saying goodbye to YouTube. Can you talk about that a little? Yeah. Uh, and YouTube to me is is just another one of the platforms that I feel like I've been able to express myself. Part of it was this process of 
filming and talking into a camera and editing that and trying to create a presentation of what I'm trying to edit. And all of that was part of the process. And I was starting to get a little bit um, burned out. I was making videos, at least one video a week for 13 years, 14 years. And I was I was reaching a point where I was like, what am I even doing? Am I doing it because I have stuff that I want to make videos about? Or am I doing it because I have this routine and this routine requires me to continue outputting? Um, and I think what I really learned was finding, you know, uh, I had kind of lost my balance of, am I going out and living enough to be creating in uh, in the way that I'm creating right now and at the output level that I am doing right now. And I was like, I don't think I'm, I'm living as much as I should be. And I, and so I was like, I should just, I should take a step back and regroup and take some time off or go and do something else and see what else is out there. And um, I never want to like completely shut the door on YouTube, but I was like, I can come back whenever I want. That's that is still there. I still have my password. Like I can figure it out. And um, when I found Twitch, it just felt, it was eerie because it was like so similar, but so different. It was connecting with strangers on the internet and sharing who I am and what I believe, but it the process was completely different. It was in real time and it was, um, collaborative with the people in the chat live. Whereas, you know, the most you can get out of a YouTube video with the audience is like, you ask a question in the video at the end, and maybe they'll reply in the comments. And that's kind of the end of the conversation. But with Twitch, it felt like immediately there was this live collaboration with anybody that wanted to come hang out while I was live. And that makes it exciting every single time because I will go live, I will start the stream and I will have no clue the direction it will go. I just have to trust my ability to host and um, the people's ability to collaborate. And that that's really exciting in the moment. Yeah, for sure. So finally, Tyler, what's next for you? What are you up to and where can we find you? You can find me everywhere on the internet. Just search Tyler Oakley. I even years and years and years from now, I'm sure when YouTube is gone and Twitch is gone and Twitter's gone and Instagram's gone and something else is the thing, you can still search Tyler Oakley. I'm I'm sure I'll be somewhere making something on the internet. Um, but in the time being, you can find me on Twitch. I stream almost every day and uh, I have the time of my life. And um, as far as what's next, I don't know. A year ago, I wouldn't have predicted this. Five years ago, I wouldn't have predicted any of this. 10 years ago, I wouldn't have predicted any of this. So I, I, I can only commit to being down for the ride, which is what I've been doing so far. So yeah, I, I have no clue, but I'm, I'm excited to figure it out as I go. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Tyler, for joining us today. Such a pleasure to have you and good luck with your future endeavors. MSU is always rooting for you. What's next for you?
<laughs> journalism the class the face you just made i wish everybody could see because uh you know what we are in the same boat i get you <laughs> who knows what's next i'm rooting for you thank you tyler appreciate that of course and that's it for our show thank you to our station manager delaney rogers general manager jeremy whiting and program director mckenna louds see you next time on the undercurrent and as always thank you to you our listeners. If you are interested in going back and listening to our archive of stories, feel free to check out our website at impact89fm.org. And of course, if you are interested in our student stories, you can tune back in at 1030 every other Sunday and we will see you back here. It's Claire Baccarella signing off as your host. You've been listening to The Undercurrent.